0: Awesome. Thank you, Sean. Um, just wanted to, another little announcement here. So last weekend, uh, both Saturday and Sunday, we took up an offering for our missions. And so I'm pleased to report that um, so far we have $4,600. <laughs> and that's not including the 1000 that the church said they were going to throw in, so we we'll throw that in. We've got over... Um, Five thousand dollars. So I know last weekend a lot of people were away because it was Thanksgiving. So if you still want to contribute to that, there are some uh, separate offering envelopes on the glass table, and it says missions. Um, so if you want to put some money in there, and we'll count that towards that. And then this sometime this week, probably towards the end of this week, we'll actually be sending that out. So thank you so much. I know. It, bless, it blesses my heart, but I know it blesses God's heart even so much more, right? So thank you for, give, for your giving. Yeah. So, my husband told me I needed to preach, <laughs> and being the submissive, obedient wife that I am. <laughs> wow. <laughs> He's rolling his eyes. No. Uh, <laughs> Those of you who know me know. Yeah. Um, anyways, it's it's interesting because I didn't realize actually. Art said it's probably been close to two years yeah. since I've uh, preached here, um, which is a bit of a bit of time. But it doesn't seem that way because we've had so many good speakers. So we've got Pastor Rick yeah. and <laughs> and Bill and Art and you know Will Dunford and different ones that have spoken. And so it's just. It's just gone. And, um, but I do feel I have a word. And I, I wasn't 100% sure until the worship service. Well, I mean, I, I knew I was going to share it. But, you know, sometimes the Lord just begins to confirm things. And, you know, just even with what Rick shared about fear. And so um, I just want to pray that I can communicate this clearly so that you <coughs> hear what I believe is the heart of God. So, Father, I thank you. I thank you that you're good, God. I thank you that you're faithful. I thank you that you are gracious. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you continue to overshadow this place? Holy Spirit, would you open our hearts and our minds to hear the word of the Lord in Jesus' name? Amen. So, okay, I know this button is, like, right here, so I just want to be careful. Um, The word I want to share, I I need to give a bit of a background, but uh, it was probably five, when we were still in about five years ago. um, I'm a word girl, and I love to read the Bible, and, and my favorite books are, like, you know, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, the Pauline epistles. And it was about five years ago, the Lord spoke to me and he said, I want you to read the Old Testament, but I don't want you to study it. I just want you to read it. I want you to read it like a novel. And so I started in Genesis and I read through to Malachi. And when I was done, I was going to go into the New Testament and the Lord said, no, read it again. So I said, okay. So I started in Genesis and I read straight through to Malachi. And the Lord said, read it again. And so I was starting to get a little irritated, but, you know, whatever. (laughs) You do what you're told to do. I read it again, and it was about the fourth or fifth time, and God would not let me go into the New Testament. He said, I want you to read the Old Testament over and over and over. So I did that. Now, that's a whole story, and I'll share that with you another day. But it was during one of those times um, when I was reading. Now, how many of you have read the Old Testament? You know, when you get to, like, Leviticus and, you know, and the laws and I don't know. (laughs) I'm not, I'm not one of these people who, you know, I love the prophetic and I love, um, you know, the, the stories that, that talk about prophecy, but I'm not one to go after that, just personally. It's like, just give me the basic stuff. Do not lie, do not steal, be kind. You know what I mean? That's kind of where I live, right? And so anyways, it was around the, the fourth or fifth time of reading the Old Testament when I was struck by a verse in the book of Daniel. And it was so much so that I, I literally, when I read it, I actually caught my breath. Like it was, I went like this. And I, I looked, I, what is this? And it's like I had not seen it before, even though I now had read this book for at least five times. And previous to that, I mean, I've got four years of Bible college, all this kind of stuff, studied Daniel you know, all the prophets, all that kind of stuff. But I had never seen this little verse. Actually, it's not even a full verse. It's a half a verse. And I was so grabbed by it that I couldn't sleep. I, I'd go to bed at night, and I would just hear it over and over. I'd wake up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, and it was I'd hear it over and over. I'd get up in the morning. I'd be washing dishes, and I'd hear it over and over. And I, I'd try to do my accounting because I was doing books for arts company at the time, and I would hear it over and over. And it got to the point where I'm like, okay, God, what are you saying? Like, this is driving me crazy. I was, I was, I was intrigued, I was annoyed, um, I was convicted, and I couldn't, I couldn't let it go, so I actually preached on it in Kinemat, I don't know what I preached because I actually was looking for the notes and I can't find them anywhere. But it was after I spoke about this verse, this little half verse, that whatever the weightiness of it just kind of relented and it went away. And so fast forward to hear, you know, God moved us to Kelowna and, you know, life has taken on sort of a different spin. And this verse has come back to haunt me. (laughs) So I'm gonna share it with you tonight and we're gonna look at it. But before I do, I have two questions for you. Question number one, do you believe that you were created for purpose? I want you to think about it. Do you believe that you were created for purpose? I want to see hands. How many of you believe that, that you were created for purpose? Okay, second question. Do you believe you've accomplished the purpose for which you were created? How many hands? I have one hand. (laughs) The question is this, do you believe you have accomplished the purpose for which you were created? right? Half a hand. hand. (laughs) (laughs) I want to talk about being created for more. I absolutely believe that we are in a season and in a time where we need to realize that we have been created for more. More than what we've seen, more than what we've done more than where we've been, there's something in the air, something in the spirit that I believe God is wanting to wake up his church and say, hey, you were created for more. Amen. More than what you're doing, more than what you've done. So my purpose tonight is not to, you know, teach you some grand, uh, give you some great wisdom. It's simply I want you to be Intrigued tonight. I want you to be annoyed. The way I was annoyed. I want you to be challenged. I want you to be provoked. That's my goal. I want you to be convicted. And that's my purpose tonight. So if I accomplish that, I'll be happy. So before I tell you what this verse is, some of you already know, but Before I tell you the verse that did all this to me, I want to give you a background. So I'm in the book of Daniel. Like I said, I've been reading it over and over and over. And I get to Daniel, and I love the first six chapters because, you know, that's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel in the lion's den. And we can all relate to that. We sing the little stories. Woo-ha! You know? And then you get to chapter seven, and it's like, eh. You know, he's having visions, and I don't know what they mean, you know, and people say, well, these have already happened, and it depends on your eschatological beliefs. Did you like that? Yeah? <laughs> Pass it. I, I practiced that word. <laughs> it believes, depending on what you believe about end times, some will say that all of these things have happened, and some will say that they won't. I'm a hardcore pantheist. It's all going to pan out in the end. That's my That's my philosophy, okay? Anyways, so when I get to Daniel and I start reading in chapter 7 and 8 and so on, honestly, I kind of get a little bored because it doesn't make sense to me. But when you get to chapter 10, it starts talking about, um, you know, there's these war. Daniel sees this vision of this glorious man, and he comes to him, and Daniel's, you know, on his face, and he's shaking and quaking, and this man touches him and says, stand up, and he starts to share with him what's going to happen to the Jewish people in the future, okay? And so it says, you know, the North Kingdom rises and tries to take over the South Kingdom, and the South Kingdom prevails, and then he marries someone from the East Kingdom, and, you know, they try to wipe out that kingdom, and, and it's all this stuff going on. So I'm cruising through, and I'm reading this, and it's like, yeah, okay, well, you know, whatever. And then suddenly, this verse pops out to me. In the midst of all this, this war and that war and this king and that king and this is overthrown and this marriage doesn't work. It says, but the people who know their God will be strong and carry out great exploits. And then it goes on to talk more about kings rising and falling and fighting. And I'm like, whoa, what is this? What is this and why is it here? But the people who know their God will be strong and carry out great exploits. And it bugged me. It bugged me. Wake up in the night, but the people who know their God will be strong and carry out great exploits. And I'm like, God, okay, I know you. I mean, I think, I, you know, you start to doubt, right? Well, may, I, I looked at my life. I mean, I've you know, I was born under a pew. I've been in church, done Bible college. But I don't have any great exploits on my resume. I don't. And I was like, God, what? But it says the people who know you will be strong and carry out great exploits. But I didn't have, I don't, didn't have any exploits that I could say, well, I've done this or I've done that. And it really, it bothered me because I thought, I'm missing something. And that's the simplicity of how I view the word of God. And I knew that the weightiness of what he was putting on me at that time was for a purpose, but I didn't even know what it was. Anyways, fast forward to 2020. (laughs) haha, And, you know, COVID breaks out and Churches are shut down, and people are walking in fear, and, you know, all of this stuff that's going on in the government and our our political system. And God brings this verse back to me, and he takes me back to Daniel. And I start to look at the book of Daniel again, and I actually wrote an article um, in our newsletter a couple months ago entitled, The Day to Defy. Is it a day to defy? How Daniel defied the laws of the land. How Shadrach and Meshach defied the king's command to bow down. And this thing began to stir in me, and that verse came back to me. The people who know their God will be strong and do great exploits. And I said, God, what is this? And do you know what he told me? He said, Heather, this is an invitation. This is an invitation. God's inviting his people. He's inviting you and I to know him. To be strengthened by him. And to do exploits for him. This is the day and age that we're living in. This is the season that we're in, and I believe, you know, God spoke to me, spoke this word to me in my spirit four or five years ago, and I think he did it for a reason, because he knows how I am. I'm a slow adapter. Have you ever heard, you know, you've got fast adapters and medium and slow adapters. You know, the art's a fast adapter. You say, we should, and he's like, yeah, you know, and we don't even know what we're doing, but he's just, in, he's in, he's just in. You know, and other people say, oh, yeah, let's go there. I'm the one that like, okay, wait a minute. What's this going to look like? How are we going to get there? What's it going to cost me? I like to, you know, weigh it out, stretch a little bit, pray on it, commiserate, discuss, confirm. That's how I am. That's just how he made me. And so because I'm a... <laughs> we, can I see a hand? Yeah. So... <laughs> Because he made me that way, I actually believe he showed me this verse four years ago so that I would have time to catch up for now. Because I believe if he just spoke it to me now, I wouldn't be ready. No, that's just me. I could be wrong, but I don't think so. (laughs) Anyways, we're going to look at this because I want to break this down and I need you to understand what I feel God is saying for us now. So we're going to look at Daniel chapter 11, 31 and 32. And actually, we're going to read it in the amplified version. I hear an amen. Sorry, it's not the King James this evening. Anyways, Daniel eleven thirty-one says this. So, again, this is what's happening. It's North Kingdom fighting against the South Kingdom. And, you know, there's this king that it com- just previous to this verse, it says there's this king that rises up and he begins to um, uh, uh, torture, not torture, but persecute the, the Jewish people. And it says armed forces of his will arise in Jerusalem and defile and desecrate the sanctuary, the spiritual stronghold and will do away with the regular sacrifice, that is the daily burnt offering. And they will set up a pagan altar in the sanctuary, which is the abomination of desolation. Armed forces of his will arise and defile and desecrate the sanctuary. What was the sanctuary back then? What would it be like, what would the parallel be today? The church, right? And he'll do away with the regular sacrifice. What would that be? The regular services or worship, right? And then he says, with smooth words of flattery and praise, he will turn to godlessness those who are willing to disregard the Mosaic Covenant. Now. The Mosaic Covenant was all that they had at that time and the people who worshipped God worshipped according to the Mosaic Covenant. They had sacrifices they had to perform daily, weekly, monthly, all of this kind of a thing. And if you were a worshipper of God, you followed the Mosaic Covenant. If you weren't, you didn't, okay? So it's kind of like today where we have, you know, people come to church, are you a Christian yet? Yeah, I go to church. This is, this is our, our daily or our weekly sacrifice, right? And it says, But with smooth words and flattery, he will turn godlessness those who are willing to disregard the Mosaic Covenant. But, and this is where that verse comes in, the people who are spiritually mature and know their God will display strength and take action to resist. Ha ha. Are you feeling me? Are you feeling where this is going? I'm going to break this down further because I, like I like to hear it, but I need to hear it. again. Slow adapter. That's me. Okay? So I'm like, okay, no, no, no. That can't be what I think it is. So I actually started looking at some different um, commentaries on this, and I started looking at some, into some history on this. And I found this one commentary. It's really good. It talks. It's... Um, I forget what it's called. If you need to know, ask me later. I can, I can find it for you. But we're going to read this again from this commentary, okay? Because it goes a little deeper into the story. So same verses. It says, the temple is spoken of here as a fortress, either because it was a place of spiritual strength or more likely because it was used as a military citadel. Later in 167 BC, the suppression of the Jewish religion began on a grand scale. So the governmental structure comes in and they begin to persecute the church of that day. Ringing any bells? And it began on a grand scale. Kind of like you're not allowed to gather anymore. And if you do gather, you have to wear a mask and you can't sing. What would that look like today? I don't know about you, but I think we're here. If we're not here, we're right at the beginning of the here. We're getting here. Okay, it said, all Jewish religious practices such as circumcision, the possession of scriptures, our Bibles, right? Sacrifices, our praise, our offerings, right? And feast days were forbidden on penalty of death, and the imperial cult was introduced. Ha. I get angry. (laughs) but it's a righteous anger because I know that this is where we are and this is where we're going. And God is saying, what are you gonna do? Are we gonna be the people who live in fear and pull back? I love what Rick said. Are we gonna be ones who retreat? Are we gonna give in to the persecution that's come even today in a grand scale to us? Let's go on. It says, desecration of the Jewish religion reached its climax on 15 Shizlev, which is December 167 BC, when an altar and idol statue devoted to Olympian Zeus was erected in the temple, the abomination that causes desolation. And on 25 Shizlev sacrifices probably including swine were offered on the altar in this manner the temple was desecrated and rendered empty of Yahweh worshipers so not only did they kick out the Christians and say you can't worship You can't pray, you can't lay hands on people for healing, you can't give your offerings. Not only did they do that, but they took the temples and they turned it into something that disgusts God. Today a parallel would be um, the government coming in and shutting us down and saying, you know what, all the churches are gonna become abortion clinics. That's what that would be today. And it says, and it rendered the temples empty of Yahweh worshipers, of God worshipers. Antiochus, that was the big guy of the day, made fine-sounding promises, flattery, in order to entice people to support his policies. Thus, he would further corrupt the apostate Jews, those who had violated the covenant, who listened to him. Flattery. Promises, you know, it's a fact, and I know it's a fact because I do the books for our church, that the government is actually paying churches to stay closed. We actually get money from our government to keep our doors closed. Fact. It's a fact, I know it, because we got some. you apply you say you're gonna you know because of covid you're not opening the doors and they give you money that is what's happening in our nation today and a lot of people say to me why aren't all the why are these churches staying closed because i think some of them are getting paid to stay closed and it's the enticement and the flattery of that demonic agenda that wants to shut down the temples and the sanctuaries. And there are people who've listened. Sobering, isn't it? Yet even in this dark period, there were true believers. The people who know their God. Among the Jews who remained faithful... To their god i love this story it says first maccabees 162 speaks of them so if you ever read the book of maccabees um the catholic religion believes it's part of the apocrypha is it which was part of scriptures that didn't make the canon of scripture anyways it's a book okay <laughs> and it says as many in israel stood firm and resolved in their hearts not to eat unclean food they chose to die rather than be defiled by food or to profane the holy covenant and die they did. Foremost among those who resisted the oppressive measures of Antiochus were the Maccabees. A certain priest named Matthias, who lived in the town of Moden, wherever that was, somewhere around Jerusalem, refused, I love that, he refused to forsake God. You know, that reminds me of the story of Daniel when it says, you know, when they brought the food, when he first came and they they brought Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they brought, and they said, you're going to eat this food. And it says he resolved in his heart not to eat the food. It's the same type of a thing. So there was this man who refused to forsake his God. And he had five sons, three of whom, Judas, Jonathan, and Simon, became known as the Maccabees. So that's sort of, there's a whole history around them. Although the term Maccabeus, hammer, originally was given only to Judas. When I read this, again, there was, I, I was arrested in my spirit when I saw Maccabeus hammer. The, it's instantly when I saw that, I saw like a judge's gavel. You know, the hammer. And you know, when the, I don't know, I'm all, I'm all about lawyer shows and I used to be involved with, with um, social services in the legal department. And when the judge hits the, it's done. It's over. It all stops. There's no more arguing. There's no more presenting your case. It's done. And when I saw this, I felt like the Lord saying, my church needs to be the hammer that says enough, it stops here, it's over, we're not gonna take it anymore, we're not gonna cower anymore, we're not gonna be in fear anymore, and if it costs us our lives, so be it, because we serve a God who's a good God, and his name will be praised, and I saw this hammer, and it excited me, in the spirit, the Maccabees, now listen to this, the Maccabees successfully overthrew the Syrian yoke through a series of brilliant military victories against Antiochus's military commanders, Apollonius, between 166 and 164 BC. As a result, the temple was rededicated to Yahweh. On 25 Shizlev, December 14th, 164 BC. Three years later, because of these people, because of this man who said enough is enough, because he dropped a hammer in the spirit and said no more, because he didn't care about his life, and he said, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. And because of that, the brilliant military victories, those are... The things that he did to bring the temple back the people who know their god will do great exploits and i believe the spirit of god gave him strategy to overthrow the syrian yoke of that day so what does god want to do with you and i see because whether or not you know that daniel's prophecy was past present or future is irrelevant this is where we're at today. I mean, we can see the parallels. It doesn't take a genius to see them. So does does this does, does that verse mean anything then for now? The people who know their God will be strong and carry out great exploits. Now. I will say, I'm a mother of twin boys, and there were days when we all got to bed alive that I felt like I carried out some exploits. (laughs) Right, moms, can amen, right? Right? But oh, there's so much more. What does God have for us? People who know their God So I have a question, do you know God? Do you know God? I think we've all know of him, we know about him, but do you know him? The word know means to see, do you see him? It means to perceive him it means to know by experience have you experienced god do you have relationship with god do you talk with god does he talk with you do you communicate with him do you understand him does he understand you do you share your heart with him does he share his heart with you means to understand It means to discover. It means to become acquainted with. Are you acquainted with God? The people who know their God will be strong and do great exploits. And I fear there's a lot of people who know about God that don't know God. And it's those who are the ones that will be easily turned away. Do you know God? We all have equal opportunity to know him. Yes, you can be saved. Yes, you can believe he died on the cross. Yes, you can ask him into your heart. But do you know him? If you have not taken time, (laughs) and this is where, you know, Otter says, You spank the people. I'm not going to spank you, but maybe a little bit. If you are a person who does not read the word of God every day, I question whether you know him. If you're the type of person that gets up in the morning and reads a verse and spends five minutes in the word of God, and that's your devotion I question whether you know him. Now, I'm not judging you. I'm just asking, do you know him? Because in my experience, I've had to take precious time to get to know him. In my experience, it costs me sometimes things I would rather be doing. In my experience, I have to put aside the phone. I have to put away the TV. I have to put away invitations to other things to spend time with him in order for me to get to know him. Do you know him? Do you know your word? We've got a Bible study uh, going, and I, I do the girls, and we're taking and we're pulling apart uh, the, the book of Proverbs and we started and we said, you know, and I, I said, we're going to do the first six chapters. Well, it's taking us four weeks and we're still not through the first six chapters because there's so much in it, yeah. you know, but the, it's okay because I want to know it. I want it to be in me. I want it to be a part of me. I want it to come out of me. It's the people who know their God that will be strong and do exploits. Do you know him? The people who know their God will be strong. What does that word mean? It means to prevail, to become powerful. It means to have or show courage. It means to strengthen, to seize or grasp, to fortify. It means to tie fast, to be harsh. Did you know that? It means to be harsh. Be all, well, don't be harsh. You know, careful about your words. Right, Pastor Rick? You probably don't like (laughs) that. You know? You know how to be harsh. He does know how to be harsh. Don't let that little sweet smile deceive you. It means to be hard and to harden. That's what strong means in this context. It means to persist, to bind about you. It means to be constant and to be firm. It means to overpower. It's so contrary to who we are as Canadians, right? You know, I've made it a conscious effort. I noticed the other day I was downtown, This well, I say the other day, it was probably a few months ago I was downtown, and I probably heard six or seven people in the matter of a few minutes say, oh, I'm sorry. And I want to say, what are you sorry for? Like seriously. And so I made it a a conscious effort not to say that anymore. Now, if I do something wrong, obviously I'm going to say I'm sorry, but I'll say, excuse me or something else. But why do I have to be sorry? But that polite, sweet, kind, uh, submissive attitude that's in our Canadian culture has seeped into the church. And the church wants to be sweet and kind and calm. We don't want to disrupt anything. We don't want to say anything too loud. We don't want to play our music too loud or preach too loud because somebody might get upset. And we can't upset anybody because we're good Christian Canadians. Enough already. Like, come on. How are we going to influence our nation if we're too busy being sorry and polite in the corner? It doesn't work. And do you know how I know it doesn't work? Look at the state of the church. Open your eyes and look around. I've been in this a long time. I'm so done. I'm so done with church. When I did preach a couple years ago I said I'm done. I don't want to do church anymore. I don't want to do church anymore. I have no use for it because it's not effective to produce change. Not the way I see in the scriptures that God wants us to change. It's not there we're not doing our job. We've been weak. And apologetic, and we've 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 excused our our we've made excuses for our our laziness. We've made excuses for it. Well, you know, I can't read my Bible this morning because I got up late. Well, you know what? Go 10 minutes late to work then. Spend time in your word. Get to know your God. Strengthen yourself in Him. I'm tired of weak Christianity. Because it's done nothing, nothing for our nation. God is waiting for his people to strengthen themselves and to know him so that we can do the exploits that he created us for. I want more. Yes, I've done some good things. You know, last time I preached it, somebody came up to me and said, Oh, Heather, you know, you've raised two wonderful little boys and you've done this and that. You know what? I don't want to hear it. It's not about that. There's more. There has to be more. I love what we've done with Battle for Canada. I love what we've done with the firewall. And some would say those are exploits. Okay, but I want greater exploits. I want more exploits. I want the stuff that takes me and stretches me and takes everything out of me for his purpose. Because otherwise I've wasted my time. I'm 55 years old, I'm over it. I want to see our nation changed. I want to see our nation transformed. I want to see people saved. I want to see people healed. I want to see families restored. I want to see marriages strengthened. I want to see righteousness on the church that goes out and infects the world. I want people to come up to me and say, what is it about you that's different than me? What do you carry? What do you have that I don't have? That's what I want. And I know that's what the Spirit of God wants. And it's not just for me. It's not just for Art. It's not just for Bill. It's for each and every one of us. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. Do you know your God? And have you strengthened yourself in him? That's the call of the Spirit. And carry out great exploits. What does great mean? It means beyond the ordinary. We're so ordinary. Our church is so ordinary. The Church of Canada is just ordinary. And I don't want to put a downer on you. I'm sorry, but this is my heart. I got to say what's on my heart. I feel we've been ordinary. I don't see anything exceptional or great. Very, very, very little. But God wants more. Yeah. Great means to be large or huge. It means to be elaborate. Those are the kind of exploits that God is looking for. Exploits are feats. They're deeds or actions. They're escapades. I love that word. I want to go on an escapade for God. Yeah. Yeah. It's an accomplishment. It's an achievement. It's a triumph. Huh. It's a triumph. Our church hasn't triumphed. Sorry. If you think it has, if you want to email me and tell me something different, you go right ahead. Heather at theharvest.ca. But you show me where our church has been triumphant where the Church of Canada's been triumphant. Ha. But the people who know their God will be strong and carry out great exploits. Do you know your God? Are you willing to do whatever it takes? This is what we were created for. We were created for exploits. I was created for exploits. And maybe that's why this yearns in my heart because I know that I know that I know that I was created for more. I'm a wonderful person, but I was created for more. I wasn't created just to sing and play music. I love to worship God, but I was created for more. I was created to make a change. And I want to do it, and I want you to do it with me. I want us to do it as this little Kelowna Harvest Fellowship in our little, little place here where we are. I want us to do it. I want our, our city to do it. I want to see the churches in this city arise and join together and walk in unity and do the exploits that God's called them to do. I want to see it in our nation of Canada. But it has to start in here. It has to start in here. Do you know God? Same old, same old. It's not going to cut it anymore. I pray that you're provoked. I pray that you're irritated. I pray that you're uncomfortable. I pray that you're convicted. What is the more that you were created for? What is the more that you were created for? Let's stand. I'm just going to pray. Father, we repent tonight. We repent tonight, God, for not being the people who know their God. Father, we repent tonight for being okay with the same old, same old. Father, I ask that you would stir our hearts. I pray that this would be a sleepless night as your word plagues our hearts and our minds. But the people who know their God will be strong and carry out great exploits. Father, we're willing, we come before you tonight and we say we're willing to be those people. Would you show us how? Would you show us how to know you more? We want to know you more, God. We want to see your face. Father, would you show us how to be strong? To put off that spirit of fear that causes us to draw back. Father, would you, would you embolden us by your spirit? Would you infuse us with strength? Would you infuse us with a tenacity that calls out for change? That we would not be afraid to speak up. That we would not be afraid to to encounter even the legislations of our nation. Father God, embolden us. Give us strength. Give us wisdom. And Father, would you show us the exploits that you have laid out for us from the beginning of time. I believe that when God created us, when he looked down through history and he saw us being formed in our mother's womb, that he said, I've created them for exploits. And just as Daniel was in his day and in his time to do exploits in his season and the Maccabees, Father, we say, would you show us here at Kelowna Harvest Fellowship? What exploits you would have us do, and may we be willing to do them, Father. Holy Spirit, thank you. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank yeah. you.